0: amen let's give the lord a great big hand clapper praise oh hallelujah oh come on let's praise the lord hallelujah 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 praise god and somebody say amen so good to be here with you all today uh, i do apologize i'm i i uh i've uh not been feeling too good it's not covid sick praise god and uh COVID ain't no joke uh so if I if I seem a little standoffish it's not because I I uh I'm trying to be rude it's just I'm trying to uh conserve my energies praise God and um but it is good to be here with you today and uh I've been fighting a lot of devils to get here praise God and uh so I I um uh, I know that I'm here in the will of God, and uh, I, uh, I, I had a great amount of challenge to be here, and I'm challenged as I stand here. So, uh, but the Lord spoke to me and told me to be here, and so I am here. And I uh, uh, love and appreciate uh, all the good saints of God, and uh, you make the kingdom of God what it is. And uh, the Bible says you will judge the earth, Praise God. And so, uh, but I also give honor uh, to Brother and sisterhood. God bless them, amen. <laughs> <coughs> Love and appreciate them. And uh, not only was Brother Hood a friend of mine, uh, he was also uh, there with me when I started uh, in Alameda. And a lot of he helped us do a lot of outreach. I still I still have a picture of the very first service we ever had in Alameda. And he was helping us tape the windows and sweep the floors. And yeah, so he was he was uh, very consistent in his commitment uh, to do the work. And uh, praise God, uh, I would not want a lazy pastor. Just got to keep it 100 with you. Praise God. Don't kid yourself, praise God. Uh, so, uh, love and appreciate them. And uh, I made a deal with the Lord that I will preach whatever he tells me to. And so, yeah, amen, praise God. So, I am, I am going to preach to you what God has given me to give to you. And uh, I'm not interested in just sermonizing. Uh, I want to preach to you the word of the Lord, and so let's go to the book of Numbers, and uh, I do want to thank my cadet, my drummer, praise God, for the Chris, you can call him anything that starts with the CH, praise God, Charles, Chris, Curtis, praise God, uh, but he goes by Chris, praise God, Chris is his real name, praise God, and uh, I've known Chris ever since he was a very young man. And uh, he helps me there in Alameda along with his family. And uh, they are a great help to the ministry. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Everybody ready? <coughs> Book of Numbers, chapter 17. And we'll begin reading at verse number one. I do not have a title for my sermon. So after we're done reading our opening text, we'll just go ahead and get started. Somebody say amen when they have it. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take of every one of them a rod. Everyone say a rod. According to the house of their fathers, of all their princes, according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods. Write thou every man's name upon his rod. And thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi. For one rod shall beat, for the head of the house of their fathers and thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony where I will meet you and it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom and I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of of Israel whereby they murmur against you. Speaking of Moses, I actually do have a title, and uh, I'm going to preach to you today on the bud, the blossom, and the almond. I don't know that I'll get to explain my title, because I'm just, I have a few pit stops before I arrive there, and so I want to make sure uh, that I just throw that out there, because that's where we're going to finish off. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. God, I pray that you would touch me in these moments to minister to your people. They're precious people. Your name is upon them. I thank you for your people. God, I pray that you would anoint me for the sole purpose of edifying, strengthening, and encouraging in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise. You may be seated. Our text this afternoon is in the book of Numbers, the 17th chapter. We find ourselves on the tail end of a rebellion, I want to take a few moments here to explain to you how we arrive at this moment. Because it is a monumental moment. And it is a moment of great importance. And it is a moment that according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the New Testament church must learn from. Because Paul said that these things that happened in the wilderness... We're done for our example or for our ensample that we may not do what they did and perish in the wilderness. At the end of the book of Exodus, the children of Israel cross the Red Sea and arrive at Sinai. They will stay there for one year and God will begin to give them instructions on how to arrive to the place that the Bible calls the Promised Land, a.k.a. Canaan, a.k.a. Jerusalem, a.k.a. Israel. But in order to get there, there's some things that have to be established. They stay at Mount Sinai for one year, and it is there that they receive what we would call moral and social organization more commonly known today as the 10 commandments and at first the 10 commandments are rather simple they are broken into three pieces respect god respect your wife and your parents and respect your neighbor pretty simple gets more complicated later there's 613 we won't preach about those But God says we're going to have some rules. We're going to have some rules regarding your relationship with me. We're going to have some rules regarding your relationship with your spouse. We're going to have some some conversation about your relationship with your parents. This is a pretty good moral fabric, if you ask me. And once we do that, we are going to begin a journey. Our first stop will be Param. And from Param, we will go to Moab. And from Moab, we will enter Canaan. Forty years. Forty years. But we're barely in year one. We're barely in year one. And the children of Israel don't start off well. They don't start off well. And a man rises up who is a relative of Moses by the name of Korah. Korah in Hebrew means bald, a bald man. And Korah says... Everyone is holy. And everyone should rule. And I'm not sure why you, Moses and Aaron, are in charge. This is not right. Korah is lying. Everyone is not holy. In chapter 11, the children of Israel complain that they do not like the manna, that they do not have water, and that they need meat. In 12, Miriam and Aaron, Moses' own siblings, and part of his own ministerial staff, begin to complain about Moses being married to a black woman. And God didn't like that. So he gave her some extra white skin. Don't get tight on me. I'll tell you what, if you're male and female, I'll marry you. I don't care what color you are. We're going to go ahead and keep it that way. That may not be what they do in your country, but this is the church, honey. We ain't in your country. This is the kingdom of God. It's getting kind of quiet in here. I don't like that. I don't like that. Amen. I'm going to leave that alone because I feel... I feel gunpowder under that. I'm just telling you right now, God don't like that. God don't like that. I said God don't like that. I'm just going to say it one more time for the people in the back. God don't like that. God don't like that. God don't like that. God don't like that. Feels good. God don't like that. Just going to let you know God don't like that. By 14, by 14, they are complaining again. The people are not holy. They're loved. And there's a big difference between being holy and being loved. Because there are times when we are not doing good. There are times when we are not holy but there's never a time God doesn't love us. If Carson has church the way God wants it to, there's going to be a lot of people that walk through the door that are not holy, but they are all loved. And if Carson does church right, there's gonna be a lot of people that are on the road to holiness that will not get things right that will bumble and fall stumble and trip up and sometimes even do it all on purpose but there's never a time people are not love God loves people I said God loves people people are not tools people are not chess pieces people are the most valuable thing in god's economy god did not love cars so much that he gave his only begotten son god did not love money so much that he gave his only begotten son god did not love gold silver that he gave his god loved people so much that he gave his only begotten son I am telling you right now, God did not make animals in his image. God made humans in his image. You and I are the only thing on this planet that has God's image in it and on it. But just because God loves everybody doesn't mean everybody should rule. getting with me right now but it'll get tight in a second and Cora says because everyone is holy everyone deserves to rule everyone everyone should have a voice everyone should have an opinion everybody should have a say everybody should have a vote everybody should have a department everybody should have managerial positions everyone Not true. And the words that Korah spit out that day have been traveling throughout humanity ever since. It even got into the early church. In the book of Revelation, the third chapter, there's a church by the name of Laodicea, which in Greek literally means the people rule. Here was a church where everybody ruled. Here was a church where everybody had a say. Everybody had a department. Here was a church that was flat and everybody was equal. I'm just going to let you know, I am not talking about skin tone. I am not talking about race, if I haven't made that obvious already. But I am telling you that humans come in all types of different capacities. And just because you can do math doesn't mean you're an accountant. And just because you can read doesn't make you a librarian. And just because you can put a Band-Aid on a cut doesn't make you a doctor. And just because you're good at Legos doesn't make you an engineer. And just because you stand in the garage doesn't mean you're a car. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're a prophet. And it doesn't mean you're the pastor. And it doesn't... Somebody help me preach right now. And just because you can hold a tune doesn't mean you deserve a solo. It's going to get tight, but it's right. I want this church to listen to me very good. There is something that is older than humanity itself. You cannot get rid of it. It was here before us, it will be here after us. It's something called hierarchy. It is embedded into creation. Do you realize we live inside of the solar system? That means that 99% of our galaxy is taken up by the sun. We do not need to argue whether all planets are equal to the sun. They are not. The sun is ruling things, and there's nothing you can do about it. And in life, there are things that are better than other things. I don't care if you're talking about a cheese board. If you put 10 slices of different cheeses on that board, one is going to be better than the other. I don't care if you're talking about a pack of wolves. I don't care if you're talking about lobsters at the bottom of the sea. I'm telling you, folks, there's something in this world that's called hierarchy. There's something that God put into creation and said, I'm going to put, hey, listen, I don't know about you. I would not. I fly all year round and I would not be comforted. Amen. By somebody coming on over the loudspeaker on the plane and saying, this is the stewardess. I will be flying the plane today. She may be a great stewardess. She ain't the pilot. And I need to hear the person say on the loudspeaker, this is your pilot. I don't even want to hear this is your co-pilot. I want to hear this is the pilot. (laughs) Hierarchy is everywhere. We cannot get rid of it. What society says will not get rid of it. The ideas that are in our world will not get rid of it. No matter, wherever there is a group of humans coming together with one goal in mind, you are going to discover that there are some people that are better at doing some things than others. There are some people that are better at accounting than others. There are some, I, I, my wife, my wife is a huge blessing in our church she could sing. She's college educated. She can do accounting. But me and my wife have an understanding. If there's somebody that can do it better than you, we will let them do it because we want what's best for the kingdom. We want what. And we have people that come through our church that are talented and they are gifted and they're sent by God and God raises them up and we make room Do you understand, do you understand that there are nerves inside of your body that are sensitive to hierarchy? That's why there are people in this building that can play instruments, but when they hear somebody play that same instrument better than them, there's something that lights up inside of them. That's your, that's your very nervous system saying, I like that. I like that. Do you know that there are people here that are good at math? And when they come across somebody that's better, they get get juiced. Not me, but you understand there's people here that got dirt bikes and bikes and cars. And when they see a car and a bike better than theirs, they get excited. That's not just us getting excited. That's the thing that God put in creation. It's the thing that says everybody should not rule. The people should not rule. The church in Laodicea seemed to be doing very well. They were wealthy. In a time when most of the world was in abject poverty. But no church in all the Bible is rebuked worse. You know why? Because everybody had been told how beautiful they were. How special they were. How gifted they were. And what ended up happening happening was nobody had any self-awareness. Right. Everybody thought they were on top of the world, and God let them know, you're on the brink of hell. Wow. He said, You think you're wealthy, but you're poor. He said, You think you you think you're clothed, but you're naked. Because somebody had pumped it into them. Everybody rules. Everybody gets to get on top. Everybody should have a say. Everybody should be able to do this and do that. And it wasn't true. There's no, I'm telling you, there's, I, I have had manipulators in my life, people that mean me evil. And, you know, there's, there's the people that mean you obvious evil. There's the people that just outright declare their evil in your life. But there's another form of evil that happens. You will, in your lifetime, one day have somebody that will come alongside you and blow you up. They will gas you up. They, the, Their way of being cruel to you is making you believe that you can do things you really can't. Their way of destroying you will be to fill you up and pump you up, amen, and make you think that you're something that you're really not. Nothing, I, I... This is kind of a funny story. Not sure you want to hear it. You're going to hear it. I remember when I was little, I had a cousin. I went to go visit my cousin. He got a brand new, shiny, yellow BMX bike, Brother Bobo. I still remember that thing shining. But just because you have a BMX bike doesn't mean you could do a trick on it. And I remember his mom giving him the BMX bike, and she knew where we were going with it. There was was a little dirt acreage of land where all the little boys with their brand new bikes went out to play. And you know how little boys are? They made a ramp. And every year, the ramp got bigger. It was so big, my aunt knew it. Everybody on the block knew it. That was the ramp that boys who didn't know who they were went on. And so my aunt gave him the bike and told him, listen to me, do not go on that ramp. And you know where we found ourselves three minutes later? Me cheering him on as he came downhill at 100 miles per hour. And he really thought he had it. He really thought that new bike gave him superpowers. You remember what it was like. You get a brand new pair of shoes and you think you're Usain Bolt. But you're really more like Turtle Tina. (laughs) New shoes don't make you run faster. And a new shiny BMX bike doesn't mean you're qualified to jump over a ramp. And my cousin came down the hill, went over the ramp, and landed all face. And I went from cheering to jeering and letting him know you shouldn't have done that. But you know, there's people that will gas you up. I'm telling you, there's a marriage here right now. There's a marriage here right now that the problem in the marriage is that the husband is being pumped up by somebody and being told he's something he's not. And it's causing stress in the marriage. And it's causing pain in the marriage. Because the husband's chasing pipe dreams. You need to look out for all that stuff that tells you there's a secret millionaire hiding inside of you. I'm going to keep talking to you look amen. I'm trying to help you. Can I be honest with you? You know what the church in Laodicea did? It hit its leadership. You know why our world is in trouble right now? Because the leadership's hiding. People rioting on the street. We don't know where the mayor is, we don't know where the governor is. We even got presidents that like bunkers the leadership is hiding the leadership wants everybody to believe that everybody has something to say this is dangerous business folks society is a very complicated thing and we have to make sure that we don't hide our leadership there comes a point where all of us have to step out and assume our position and assume our role. I teach the young couples in our church. If your pastor doesn't teach this, you could do whatever he says. But I teach our couples in our church, we will not be doing any of this. Wait till your father gets home. That's hidden leadership. Mama, if you're going to wait till dad gets home, I hope it's just for a second Witness. It is important that when mamas in the house and she's alone with the kids and the kids act up, mama just go ahead and take the steering wheel. And if the kids we don't need to wait for dad to get home. Mom and dad are the leadership. The leadership cannot hide. Dad, you can't get home and when you can't get home and hide. This is what's wrong with our world. Everybody that's in charge wants to hide. Nobody wants to assume responsibility. Nobody wants to take their place in the hierarchy. And there is a hierarchy. And you can't deny it. And you shouldn't deny it. It's going to hurt you. It's going to damage you. And you know what? When you, The sooner you embrace it, the quicker you'll flourish. The sooner you'll be happy. The more controlled the kids will be. Let me tell you something, when kids know that mama got the same belt daddy do, it just changes things. Y'all ain't helping me preach right now. And there's a temperature out in the world that's creeping into the church. When I first started pastoring and our church started growing, there was just a lot of people that really just thought it was cool to call me by my first name. I don't have anything against it per se. But I won't allow it if what we're talking about is we're all rulers. You you should hope. You should pray. You should seek. You should diligently secure a place where who's ever in charge is competent and doing what they're supposed to. And when they are, give place to hierarchy. This is not a bad thing, people. This is a good thing. Hey, I'm a nice guy. I know you may not think that right about now. But I'm a nice guy. I'm actually like a really nice guy. I really like to get along with people. I really, I don't want people to think that, you know, it's big I, little you. I don't want people to think that. But it's dangerous, Brother Bobo. When somebody starts asking me about serious life decisions. And I want to, and I want to fake humble. And I told our church back home, don't you go to no church where the leadership is hiding. You want to be at a place where somebody's willing to step out in front, assume all risk, put skin in the game. You want to be in a marriage where the man is going to step out in front and assume all risk and put skin in the game. You want to have friends that are going to step out in the front and assume all responsibility and risk and put skin in the game. I'm just telling you, folks, our world is hurting. Our world is in trouble because there are people that are hiding. They don't. And they're hiding for all. They're hiding for all the wrong reasons thank you brother they're hiding for all the wrong reasons they're faking humble they don't really believe that you and them are the same anyways amen they just they, they I'm telling you it's a cheap trick you you need to get yourself plugged into a position into a place in life where you know that you are standing alongside somebody that is competent and knows what they're doing Cora Cora didn't understand Cora wasn't there when the Lord spoke and said I speak to no other man man like I speak to Moses. I don't speak to Moses in visions and dreams. I speak to him face to face as a man does with a friend. I'm just telling you you ought to hope and pray. I get excited when I find somebody that can do what I do but better. I get excited when Come on somebody. Oh somebody praise God. Oh, somebody praise God. I want to be very honest with you. I don't feel no spirit of rebellion here. I'm not preaching for that reason. I'm not actually even preaching about anything going on in this church. I'm preaching to you about something that's going on in this world. I'm talking to you about something that is... I love my daughter. I love my daughters. I have two. I love them. And I will not let them pursue pipe dreams. If baby girl ain't a mathematician, she ain't going to major in math. Daddy won't let her. And if she can weave baskets, we're buying her wicker by the truckload. This is why the Bible says train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they are older, they shall not depart from it. It's not talking about raise them in church and they won't backslide. I've seen that not be true too many times. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about know what your child is good at and know what they're not good at. And don't let them pursue. Pipe dreams. Don't let them chase things they're not good at. Well, I think my child should be able to explore their potential. Hey, listen to me. Amen. I'm just telling you, there are some of us that are cut out for certain things and some of us that are not cut out for certain things. Amen. And the sooner, hey, you know what? in and out ain't trying to come up with a chicken sandwich. They're not hurting. They said we make burgers, we'll double them up, we'll put cheese on them. Amen, and that's just what we're going to do. I know somebody hungry right now, and that's what we're going to do, and we're going to do that good. We're not trying to break into the chicken sandwich. We're not trying to break in. We're not trying to break into the burrito or the taco we make burgers that's what we do and we put scripture on the bottom of it that's what we do and you know what they're not hurting they're not hurting i don't want it come on i'm telling you it's it does us no good to go in 10 different directions we end up going nowhere hallelujah i want i want god to show me what i'm good at and then i want to move in that direction i want god to show me where my talent is i want god to show me where my purpose is i want god to show me what i'm not good at I want God to reveal to me where I belong and where I don't belong. I don't want to be a polar bear in the desert. Hey, man, come on, somebody. If I'm a polar bear, I want to be in the Arctic. Hallelujah. If I'm a bird, I want to be on a tree, not in the sea. Come on, somebody. I want to be where God wants me to be. God, he designed me a certain way, and I want to go in the way of the... Let's lift our hands and pray right now. You know what would be a beautiful prayer right now? God, show me what I'm good at. God, show me what I'm good at. God, show me what I'm good at. God, don't let me chase. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't let me chase the wind. Hallelujah. I don't want to gather the wind in my arms. Hallelujah. God, show me what I'm good at. Show me my calling. Show me my purpose and help me to run away. Hallelujah from the things I'm not good at. Oh somebody give God a hand praise right now. God is talking to us. Come on Carson, God's talking to somebody right now. This is the word of the Lord that you needed. Somebody's been under a huge amount of stress and frustration. I'll tell you why. It's because you're pursuing things amen, that you're not good at. Hallelujah. That's not an insult. You cannot be good at something and still be a good person. I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of things I'm not good at. There's a lot of things that I'm okay at. That's, yeah, I'm, listen, I could play chess, just so you know. No, like I got a ranking. Like I went to the chess club. Like I played chess. So the other day I was playing chess. And this guy in my church was like, Pastor, you play chess? And you know, I always have people tell me, yeah, I could play chess. And I'm just like, you know what? Very rarely do I play people that could really play chess. And <laughs> just keeping it 100 with you. We're not, I'm not going to tell you are good if you're not. Yeah. And I said, yes, I do play chess. He said, me too. I said, really? He said, yes. Man's been in our church over a year. He said, I'm, I represent the United States. He said, I play for NATO. I'm a US chess champion. I'm the highest ranked US chess player in the military. I represent the US military as well. And you know I'm thinking, bro thinking like, well, okay, and he said, Google me, (laughs) (laughs) so you know, I'm just trying to be nice to the saints, so I type in his name, boom, comes right up, so I said, well, brother, you got a chess ministry, so you're gonna, you're gonna help us (laughs) teach our kids how to play chess, and so we had a chess class. And this man said, I'm going to show you guys how good I am. And he proceeded to pounce on me. Blindfolded. <laughs> he did not look at the chess board. He did not look at my pieces. He stood five feet away from the board and just told me, you tell me where you're putting your pieces, and then I'll tell you where to put mine. And he clovered me. I didn't get mad. I didn't get hurt. I didn't feel like my chess ministry was taken from me. I did find out I don't have a chess ministry, and I felt relieved. (laughs) Somebody help me preach right about now. But you know what I also found out? If I ever want to learn how to play blindfolded, I got a man right here that could teach. It wasn't a loss. It was a win. It was a win. It was a win. It wasn't a loss. It wasn't an insult. I wasn't being degraded, demoted. I was being promoted. I was blessed. I was glad. I'm telling you that nervous system inside of me, that love's hierarchy, started firing off. Man, I even took a picture of it and put it on the gram. Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, there's something wonderful. There's something beautiful about God's creation. There's something wonderful and beautiful about a person that is tapped in to what God, Has made them good at Amen. Oh, let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Can we lift our hands and pray? Oh Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. hallelujah i'm almost done preaching not really god said we we got to solve we got to resolve this argument moses i want you to take aaron's rod And I want you to take the rod of all the chief men of the children of Israel. You know what God is saying? I want you to reveal the hierarchy. Because by having to go find the chief men of all the other tribes implies that there are hierarchies. He said, we're going to start getting this out of your guys' heads. Because this is not going to be the people's republic of Israel. And so they all went and got their rods. He said, I want you to put the rods inside the tabernacle. It won't be you. and It won't be your brother. and It won't be any man. That's going to reveal who I have chosen. I will show you who I have selected. And he says, the rod That blossoms. Everyone say blossom. He said the rod that blossoms is the rod of the man that I have chosen. He said put those rods in the tabernacle and come back in 24 hours. Moses came back with all those rods. And as he began to sift through them, he looked at Aaron's. And the Bible says that there was buds... Blossoms and almonds. And originally God said it just needed to blossom. But God said, I'm going to go one step further. And I'm going to put all three stages of the almonds development on this rod. ARC. I am going to tell you why I'm preaching what I'm preaching. Because a church, a pastor, be it Brotherhood or Brother Prado, a saint, a church, a ministry, is not authenticated and validated until it can produce buds, blossoms, and almonds. We have to be able to get new converts. We have to be able to take care of converts, and we have to be able to love seasoned saints. I'm preaching to you right now. We need it all. We need the bud. We need the blossom. We need the almond. We can't just be a church of almonds. We can't just be a church of blossoms. We can't just be a church of buds. We need all three of them. And until we get all three of them flowing and growing and going, amen, God is not with us. Amen. You want... Come on, ARC, you want God's favor, get you some buds. You want God's favor, take care of the blossoms. You want God's blessing, amen, attend to the almonds. We can't just be a church that only cares about almonds. We can't be a church that only cares about blossoms. Uh, We can't. Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. In order for that to happen, everybody needs to get in their lane and stay in it. Otherwise, you'll have people that'll step on the buds. You'll have people that'll cut the blossoms. You'll have people that'll eat the almonds. It's getting quiet on me, praise God. Hey, I know churches, they're all buds. I know people that have tried to build ministries just taking care of the downtrodden. That don't work not because we're against the downtrodden but everybody's not downtrodden right. Right. we are not called to just minister to the downtrodden yeah. we are called to minister to everybody yeah. i got to i got to respect rich people and poor people i have to respect millionaires and homeless i have to- yeah. hey. Let me tell you something it, if you Chess master extraordinaire at our church. You know where he was living at just a few years ago? In a box. He came from the Philippines. He had no home. He was dirt poor. But he was a genius. And he lived inside of a box in San Francisco. But thank God for a church that said, we'll take care of this bud right here. We'll tend to this bud right here. We didn't know he was a chess master. We didn't, we, didn't know, we, didn't know, we didn't know how high ranking he was in the military. He still tells me stuff that blows my mind. I am telling you, I, but, but he told me, he said, Pastor, you don't know this. He said, I was living in a box when you guys found me. Hey, I'm, I'm just telling you, church, you have no idea. But if you just want to be an almond church, you'll never find the guy, you'll never find the bud in the box. Come on, ARC, where you at this morning? ARC, where, hey, can I tell you, amen, there's some meth heads, there's some crack heads, there's some people in boxes, and there's some people in mansions, hallelujah, that if somebody will just reach out to them, hallelujah, but you know what you need? You need people that are in their lane, staying in their lane, growing in their lane, flourishing in their lane, doing good at what they're good at, being good at what they're good at, being blessed, come on, somebody, come on, somebody. Somebody give God a hand and praise right now. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hey, we got people in our church with PhDs. I'm not saying that to brag because in some cases I didn't even know they had one until recently. But you know how they got one to God? By people that were in their lane. People that didn't even have PhDs themselves, but they just knew, you know what? I'm really good at mowing the lawn, and I'm going to talk to the dude who owns this three-acre lawn. I'm going to flourish. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be blessed in in the land God gave me. This, This is not part of today's message. But let me tell you something just a few chapters back from where we're at right now, God said, I want everybody to get under their flag and face the tabernacle. The children of Israel had flags with their family name on it. You know know what God is saying? I I want families to get together and to not look at other families. Every family's focus should be God. Y'all ain't hearing me right now. You got too many families in the church that compete with one another. God said, get under your flag and face the tabernacle. You're not supposed to get under your flag and face... Judah's not supposed to be staring at Reuben. And Reuben's not supposed to be staring at Issachar. And Issachar's not supposed to be... St- Come on. At Manasseh, come on, you know what your job is? Reuben needs to get his kids together. Judah needs to get his kids together. And then everybody needs to face the tabernacle. You need to get together with you and your kids and look at Jesus. You need to get together with you and your wife and look at Jesus. You need, come on somebody, I don't care what the Johnsons are doing. I sure enough don't care what the Rodriguez are doing. I don't care what the Smiths are doing. As for me in my house, as for me in my house, we shall serve the Lord. Oh, come on, somebody. Hey, let me tell you something about the Christian family. They come in all different shapes and sizes. I know some people think Christian family, husband, wife, two, maybe two and a half kids and a dog. Man, that's apostolic. Maybe here in Carson, it's a horse. I don't know. (laughs) Let me tell you something. This man right here is a family. You a family, bro. I know your mom's not here, bro, but you're a family. You represent a family. You understand what I'm saying? There's some single moms here. This preacher came to tell you, you're a family. <laughs> There's some retired, some good retired season almonds in this church. Your kids have gone on. You're still a family. There's some people, I'm sorry. This ain't your first marriage. There's some people here, this is just not your first rodeo. You're still a family. And while all families are different, the focus of every family is the same. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm preaching to the Johnsons. You need to get your eyes off the Smiths. I'm preaching to the Smiths. You need to get your eyes off the Rodriguez. I'm preaching to the Rodriguez. You need to get your eyes... I'm telling you, you're gonna hurt yourself. You are gonna hurt yourself. You're gonna hurt yourself. I don't care if you got a blended family. I don't care if we're talking about a retired family. I don't care if we're talking about a single dad or a single mom. You need to get your little ones together and you need to face the tabernacle and you need to keep your eyes on Jesus. You need to keep your eyes on Jesus. You need to keep your eyes on... Come on Carson. Where are you at, ARC? Come on. Don't you ever fight with your spouse and say, I'm sure the Smiths don't fight like this. I'm sure they don't. They might fight worse. Spoiler alert. You know what the point is? It don't matter what the Smiths do. You got to walk your own dogs. You got to ride your own lane. You got to work out your own salvation. You got you have to face the tabernacle, my friend. I got single moms in my church. Everywhere they go, they feel like everybody's staring at them. I got moms that are married that had kids when they got a little bit older. And you know what? They think everyone stares at them like an old mom. I got mixed marriages in my church. Just about every marriage in my church is mixed. And you know what? They feel sometimes like people are staring at them. We got people with needs that, with kids that have needs. We got all kinds of stuff. church every Sunday, you're a family. You're a family. You're a family. You're a, and don't let society take that away from you. And don't let, come on. Don't let, don't let the media take that away from you. Don't let nobody take that away from you. You are a family. Get your eyes on Jesus and face the tabernacle. This, this is my, this is my, this is our drummer. He ain't my drummer. He's Jesus's drummer. God loves you, sis. Yeah. You heard me? God loves you. This is our drummer. He come from a big family. Like, he Mexican and all. Look, I'm Mexican, too, so. He got a big family. And you know what? They all play. He plays the drums. His sister, his, his sisters are musical. And you know what? They do all the music for our Spanish ministry. And you know what? There's times crazy people be like, why is that whole family up there playing? And some people are shocked to find out it's not because they got the same last thing. It's just because they show up on time. It's always the people that show up late, don't give, that want to ask about... people think that because they can sing in the car with their favorite CD they deserve to sing I'm not going to put you up because you're sincere because you ain't going to kill the service I'm way off my notes I can't even see my notes Cause my eyes are kind of messed up. So you're. A t- <laughs> hey, let me just tell you something. Sometimes, it is the will of God that that there be a ministerial family. Well, thank you, thank you, Sister Stephanie Hood. She's the only one that agrees. I'm telling you. You think I'm kidding? It wasn't. It wasn't just Moses. It was Moses, and it was Aaron, and it was Miriam. Yeah, but guess what? In Numbers chapter 20, Moses, Miriam, and Aaron all die together too. Because family don't save. Family don't save, but that don't mean that family can't minister together. Hey, can I tell you that half of Jesus' disciples were all brothers? Andrew and Peter. John and Zebedee, and one of his apostles was even his brother James. God's not against the family network. And there's times, there's times, there's times there's going to be a minister. There, there might be times in ARC, there's just a family of ushers just holding it down. They're just good at what they do. They're in their lane. There might be a family of Sunday school teachers. We're, listen, folks. We're not, we're not going to attack. The only question I have is which way is the tabernacle? I just. You see when we begin to harmonize and when we begin to accept and and embrace God's ways the church begins to produce buds the church begins to produce blossoms and the church begins to produce almonds but you know what the real miracle is and now I'm really gonna finish This is a real one. The miracle wasn't the buds, blossoms, and almonds. The miracle was that they were growing on a dead rod. It's perfectly normal for buds, blossoms, and almonds to grow on a living plant, not on the dead one. What does that mean Pastor Prado? That growth starts at death. Good. That's good. I want everyone to understand when, when when and most a lot of people here know me when Pastor Prado came to church the last job I had was at a tattoo shop. I had piercings in my face. It was bad. It was just, I sold drugs. I was suicidal. I wasn't holy, but I was loved. I was an outsider. And when I came into church, I didn't understand everything. And I felt like an outsider. I didn't know what hallelujah was. As far as I knew, it was some kind of bread you serve after church. (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't know what praise the Lord meant. I, had, I definitely had no idea why the lady in the front was running. I didn't know what the brother in the back was screaming about. And I sure enough didn't know what people were doing when they lifted their hands and began to speak in another language. But once I got in, I loved it. Loved it. I started doing my own little shout. Come on. I started doing my own little chick. <laughs> but there was also days I started staring at the Smiths. Yes, and I couldn't get my eyes off the Rodriguez. They was killing me. And there was days I wanted to play the drums despite having never played them. There was even days I raised my hand in the middle of service to ask if I could say a few things. Because I thought, man, I could do that. And you know what had to happen, Jonathan? I had to die. I had to die, yeah. <laughs> and I had to realize I got, I got my ego in the way. I got my pride in the way. I got racial prejudice in the way. I got preconceived notions in the way. I got low self-esteem in the way. Yeah. I, got, I got some bad attitude in the way. I got some old hustler mentalities in the way. And once I died, and I, and I got my eyes off people, and I stopped, I stopped petting my preferences, and I stopped cultivating my grievances, I started filling pews up and chairs up. I, I helped win his entire family to God. And you know what? Years later, when, years later, when we started a church, his whole family came and helped us. almonds, all almonds. All almonds. But there was a day, I remember I used to have to go pick up him and, him and his parents because they didn't have a car. And I'd pick them up in a van and I'd fill up the van. But you know what? I had friends that were doing other stuff. I had people that were practicing playing the drums. I had friends that were getting ready to preach. And I had to go drive the church van to pick people up. But I didn't care. I didn't care. And there was days when I was struggling, and there was days when I had horrible jobs, and there was days when I was making less, amen, than than minimum wage, and there was days people sitting next to me were getting up and testifying about how the Lord gave them a raise, and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm thinking, man, I'd really like to take a whack at that almond right now. got my eyes off that and I knew the sooner this rod dies the sooner it'll begin to produce buds and blossoms and almonds and you know what there's people here that need to do that as individuals And ARC will have to do that collectively as a church. There's days we'll all have to die to the way we're used to having church. And we're going to have to expand and push and press for some new levels and some new dimensions. And say, you know what? If we're going to do it different, let's do it different. Let's see what God can do. Amen. But these rods will die. Amen. That they might produce buds. That they might produce blossoms. That they might produce... stand, I'm done. I took too long, didn't I? Visitors, I know this is not what you expected to hear. But visitor friend of mine, can I tell you that the same applies to you? visitor friend of mine, if you will die out to your own desires, your own will, your own ambitions, and bring yourself to the tabernacle, to the presence of God, your life will begin to flourish and blossom and bloom at all stages. You'll have, it, you'll have it all. You'll have what you need financially. You'll have what you need materially. You'll have what you need emotionally. But God won't give anybody else the credit or the glory. And he won't share his glory with another, not even us. And so we have to die. And we have to say, Jesus, my life is in your hands. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in the presence of God. And I could feel, because of my background and the home I came from, and the upbringing and the divorce and the depression and the drugs, I could tell, you know what, somewhere I didn't develop right. That's why I made the poor choices, because somewhere I didn't develop right. And I'm thinking, God, I'm missing the blossom stage. I, I can't see it, Jesus, but I feel it. God, I'm missing that almond stage. I'm doing better than I ever have, but I could tell. I just still got these ways. And it never fails. God will show me. That needs to die. Why don't you bury that? Why don't you let that go? Why don't you release that? Why don't you quit trying to force reality to bend its knee to you? and bend your knee to me and I can change reality but not before I change you and so Pastor Prado is still dying I was in Pastor Hood's office praying doing a little funeral because there was a sermon I wanted to preach but it's not the one you needed to hear so I had to let that die. And hopefully by the time I'm done preaching, you will know and you will feel and you will say, "We heard a well-rounded word." I felt buds. I felt blossoms. Man, he even he even ministered to the young. You know what I feel here today? There's going to be some personal spiritual growth. There is some growth that cannot happen outside the preaching of God's word and faithful attendance to church. I'm sorry, it just doesn't happen. But there is healing that can happen. There are wounds that can be healed today. I'll tell you what. There's somebody here you just told yourself a few days ago, man, I'm acting like my dad. And if I keep doing this, my marriage is going to end like his. Guess what? We could solve that here today. We could so- There's some women here you know, that attitude that's been festering inside of you. Maybe we don't see it here. Maybe that's your secret side but you know it's messing with your kids and it's messing with your marriage guess what we can handle that here today there's spiritual healing that can take place here today oh Jesus you can get delivered from dope today You can get delivered from alcohol today. But you know what's even better? You know what's so beautiful about the Holy Ghost? You can get delivered from the attitude that got you on dope today. You can get delivered from abusing people today and hurting people. You can get your anger under control today. Because the Bible says that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, not force, power, and self-discipline. That's what sound mind means, self-discipline. I know it sounds like a contradiction. Well, if God's given it to me, is it really self-discipline? Yes, God will change your character so that you can have self-discipline. God doesn't spin the world into access every day. He did it once and it's never stopped. God will say, I'll change your character right now. And the touch will be so strong and it'll be so penetrating that it'll run on autopilot. You will stop breaking dishes, you'll stop making holes in the wall, you'll stop... You'll stop throwing things. You'll stop sissy cussing. You'll stop really cussing. You'll stop looking for your ex on Facebook. Praise, y'all got too quiet on that one. I didn't like that one. You'll stop looking for a wife on Instagram. You'll stop landing on the wrong website. Self-control. It's a gift of God. I said self-control is a gift of God. I am preaching to somebody. Nobody knows this. I am preaching to somebody today that if you will take me at what I'm saying, you will get rid of that pack of cigarettes that's in your car right now. I don't believe them. I think you should. Because I've seen them. Nicotine stained fingers. Lift them up. And get delivered. In not not two services. Right now. Not holy, but loved. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Every hand lifted up right now. Hallelujah. Come on, if you feel like God has actually talked to you, I just want you to, hallelujah, come out from your chair and make your way up here. Hallelujah. Uh, I know everybody wants to come, but I, I want you to just really try to make way for the people that are really, really, really feeling this. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on. How many more times does your wife have to tell you you're yelling at the kids too much? You're scaring them. Come on. Let's get that. Let's get that gift of self-control here today. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to... Every family facing the tabernacle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Señor libera mi alma Señor saname Señor salvame hazlo con tu poder Jesus save me heal me, deliver me God this rod is going to die that it might produce fruit gift of self control i want power not force i want love not fear i'm not here for anybody else i'm here for myself for my family do it in me jesus